Welcome to Toast, the talk on a small thing, where I interview guests about one single topic. You are listening to the first series, which is all about speaking at conferences and meetups. This week, I met up with Ashley Williams. Ashley works for NPM, and she travels around the world giving workshops and talks. Ashley and I both had our first big conference talk at JSConf 2015. Her talk, If You Wish to Learn ES6 from Scratch, You Must First Invent the Universe, was a smash hit. Everybody loved it, and she moved on to giving it at many, many more conferences. I chat with her about how that talk came about and what it was like to go viral after first conference talk. Really, the first time I started giving like real like tech talks, I'd say was JSConf、uh, 2015.、Uh, though the talk that I gave there was a talk that I、uh, originally kind of designed for this like little、um, like speaking engagement that I had at the University of Amsterdam, where I was there speaking for a week. But it was like very casual, and it was like just speaking to like some of the professors and students. So it was not really a tech conference, and it was not really even supposed to be a tech talk. It was、um, a special program that the University of Amsterdam was doing called Coding the Humanities, where it was like a summer program for humanities students that wanted like an intro to programming kind of situation. So the original was just called How to Train Your Programmer. I ended up talking about like when you're teaching programmers, what you're teaching is abstraction, and then then it morphed into that ridiculous space cow ES6 <laughs> shenanigans. The space cow ES6 talk is an amazing talk on how to think about programming language. If it was not supposed to be a tech talk, then why did she decide to submit to JSConf 2015? Uh, so I had never been to a JavaScript conference. And、uh, I had just joined Boku、uh, at the time, and my friend Jen Schiffer,、uh, at kind of like a very last minute, I like broken up with my boyfriend. I was like really bummed, and she was like, "Yo, do you want to sleep at my on my floor in my hotel room? I'm speaking at JSConf 2014." And I was like, "Okay, like let's do this." And so I went, and it was just like it was just a really great conference. I had a really good time. I met so many people, and I really wanted to go, but I knew I couldn't afford it. So I was like, if I get invited to speak, then I can afford to go to this conference, and that, I think that was pretty much my thinking. <laughs> I actually found out I got accepted to JSConf on the Amtrak on the way to Boston. I was like so excited; it was ridiculous. Funny enough, though, I was so nervous about speaking at it that, like, basically once I got accepted, I just started falling into this pattern of thought: like, I'm going to die on May 30th when I give this talk.、Uh, Like my life doesn't continue after this. Basically, I was so anxious. I was really scared.、Um, but then everybody seemed to really like it. I did have a small posse in the front that liked all my jokes, which I think really helped. <laughs> People really liked her talk at the conference. From outside, it seems like she had this overnight success, and her life changed with speaking invitation to travel around the world. So the tricky thing. Here is that it looks to a certain extent. I definitely did go viral, but it happened a little bit later because what happened is, but all this work and submitting to the conference, and then I was like, I already did this work. Why don't I just submit it to all these other conferences 
because I figured that my odds were like very low of getting accepted. I was like, maybe if I submit to like these like 10 conferences, I'll like get into one. And then I got into all of them, <laughs> which was completely unexpected. And then I was like, oh no, now I have to do this. And I think particularly I was really nervous about that JSConf talk because if I couldn't do well there, then I was going to bomb everywhere. So the trick is, is that that one talk got accepted like at a bunch of places. And so I gave it at JSConf and then I already had it kind of like lined up for a bunch of other places. What was interesting is is after that, people like saw this talk. It, it was like very popular on YouTube. I continue like, it was funny because I like made this hashtag because there was a website that my students made me called Clap for Ashley. And every once in a while, I'll do a Twitter search on it and like random people will be watching the video and they use the hashtag. And it's a great way for me to find out who's watching it. But I didn't even know that conferences invited speakers. I thought just everyone applied. <laughs> and then I started getting these emails being like, we'd love to have you come talk, like, come give this talk. And yeah, I just didn't even know that was a thing. And like the emails just started coming in. When I think about like why this happened, one of the key things that I think made this talk particularly successful is that it's a bait and switch. People think the talk is about yes, sex, and it's not at all. People think it's like a talk that's going to like summarize what the ES6 features are and like how to like, you know, how to use them and stuff. And like the talk has like one slide with code on it and it's it's like Ruby code. So um, it's definitely not what people want. But uh, I, I think maybe sometimes people think it's an ES6 talk and as they're building a conference lineup. They're like, let's get an ES6 talk. And it like fits in a bunch. It seems like she's on the load all the time. I asked her how she pick which conference she says yes to. Basically, at this point, because I get invited to so many things, I don't apply anymore because I already am traveling and speaking way too much. Um, but it, I f it feels really bad, I think, to a certain extent. I, f I feel like it should be, like, if I want to go talk somewhere, I should have to submit. Um, but I've started being a lot more picky. I definitely, f like, tend towards community conferences. There were, there, there's been like a bunch of like very professional conferences that have contacted me and I just am not interested. I don't know. Like, I also like fundamentally don't think that they would like my talks because my talks are, I, I don't know. I just, they're weirdo talks. So I want to go to where there's a higher density of weirdos. <laughs> and so the community conferences tend to have a higher density of weirdos. And so I like those. I, I definitely make sure that. The conference has a code of conduct. Uh, I make sure that there's a diverse speaker lineup. And if the speakers aren't announced yet, I like mention that. Like if, if I can be a forcing function to make the conference better and more inclusive, then I'll take like whatever small power I have as like a speaker that they want to try and get that to happen. To make conference more inclusive, Ashley started asking conference to try a new thing. Um, another thing that I've recently started doing, I have this... Uh, uh, inclusive educational initiative called Node Together. And now I'm just like, if you want me to come speak at your conference, like you got to let me run this this Node Together thing. And it, because the people who are, are allowed to go to Node Together, like the application process selects for people who are underrepresented, uh, I coordinate with the conference to be like, and these people get to go to the conference or like our people who are going to the conference um, to make sure that the audience, it's, it's very hard as someone who's also organized conferences, like 
you can control your speaker lineup, but it's hard to control your audience. Um, so it's often easier for people to get their work to pay for a conference if there's like, there's also a teaching thing involved and like, I'm going to learn some stuff. So it's the focus on the community stuff, make sure that it's an inclusive space. And now I'm, now I'm making them let me throw my workshop there. Ashley and I live a few blocks away from each other, but she's always on the load. We recorded this episode in Stockholm, where we were both speaking at the same conference. How does she balance her speaking engagements and her day job? It's definitely hard. And it's, but as someone who is a remote worker, like they do anticipate that like, I'm already on the East Coast and they're on the West Coast primarily. Um, but especially given that we're such a small team and we're like really strapped for money. Uh, I mean, I've been asked to like reduce like how much I'm traveling so I can be getting more stuff done for work. Which is complicated because part of my job is to kind of be an evangelist. And I, I often find, especially as someone who's writing documentation and bits of information and stuff, I'm good at that because I talk to lots of people and I think that writing documentation requires a ton of empathy. And it's super hard to empathize with people that you don't hang out with all the time. So um, sitting in my apartment, I do not meet a lot of NPM users. But when I'm on the road and talking, I certainly do. So there's a weird tension there between like getting the work done and making sure that I'm present to like actually understand the people I'm talking to. When talking to your boss about travel, was there any difficulties? There wasn't a struggle, but I think that's partially because most of the places I got hired were because people like knew me from the internet and my talks. And so that was like kind of already part of who I was. And I think that the employers, I kind of understood, like, this is what Ashley does. If we hire Ashley, like, don't, like, don't date someone thinking you can change them. <laughs> like, they're just like, okay, we're going to hire Ashley, and then we're going to tell her not to ever do Ashley things is, like, kind of not cool. And so I've been lucky that at least those two places were like, I mean, as long as you get your stuff done. And that means that I work on the weekends and other times. Um, but, I mean, also both of the places I worked, like Mozilla and, and uh, NPM, they don't really have like vacation days per se. Like you log them for like so that they know that they don't owe you money, but there's not like a limit. I've been very, very lucky. This is like a very like I remember when I was a public school teacher and like it would be completely different. Like I, I have gotten I'm super privileged in where I work and the policies they have. Getting support from your team is really important doing any side project, but especially speaking engagements. So, if you have someone on your team who is starting out their speaking career, I hope you can support them. Because, as Ashley said, it's really scary to give a first talk. Thank you, Ashley, for sharing your experience. Toast is written, produced, and edited by me. As I publish this episode, I am getting on the plane to go to Colombia. I'll be interviewing Claudia Hernandez about what it's like to give a talk in non-native language. As someone who also speaks English as a second language, I'm excited to interview her on this topic. So I hope you join us next week. <laughs>